0: I'm going to be speaking now, just a little, a short review on certain very pertinent information before I go on to conclude the ideas of the Mashiach that were started previously. If you recall, if you recall, when we look at Odum and since we just passed Parshas Bereshish, it's very appropriate uh, what we're going to speak about. As I had mentioned previously, that the idea of Mashiach begins from Odomerishan, and that's where it's rooted. That's very fundamental to understand. If you recall the task of Odomerishan, what was Odomerishan supposed to do? If you look at the Chumash, then one gets an idea that he was not supposed to eat from the Eitz, Hadas Tehverah, he was not supposed to eat from the tree, knowing good and evil. Had he observed that commandment, then, of course, many things would not have befell him. But basically, to sum up, in a very very, um, uh, short form, Odom Rishon had several tasks. The first task of Odom Rishon, as I had mentioned previously, was to be mezakech his guf, and the universe at large. What does that mean? Odom Rishon was in a certain condition, physically before he did the chet and what he had to do was to remove literally change the physical substance of his body that's a real change he had to remove the physicality that the rabbi Shalom gave Odom namely his body the rabbi Shalom took the neshama and he put it into a body okay he took the neshama and he combined it with a body and the task of man was to purify that body so the body would no more be an impediment to the nishama for experiencing the Rabanishralam, because that's exactly what physical substances are. It's an impediment to experience the Rabanishwam. So the task of Odam had he done the mitzvah, what would have happened would be that his body literally would have changed. It would have become much finer, less gross, and as a result of that the nishama would have been able to experience the Rabanishralam much greater actually to its greatest degree. So today, for the concept of zikr ha presents itself where the task of man was actually to change the material substance of his body and the universe at large. And the universe would look different as the universe will look in ilm habar. The universe will not look the same the way it does. It will be radically different in the sense that the physical or material universe that we observe now will be very different, It will be much finer, almost sort of like transparent, where the neshama shines through, and one can see it, whereas now one, of course, cannot see the neshama. So therefore, the first task of man was to mezakeh, to purify the body and the universe at large. The second task of man was to remove the evil influence, which was personified by the nohosh, the snake. Evil was created, of course, to tempt man, and that's why it was created. And the task of man the Marishan, was to remove evil also. Had he not listened to the Nachosh, what would have happened was that the influence of evil, that a horror would have been removed from the Briah. And as I say, evil would have been removed. So that was the second task. First to his goof, to purify his body. And second is to remove the evil influence from the Briah itself, from creation. Now, what would that have produced? Odin would have accomplished what's called the Chisan. Now, in order, the Rabbanishim created a major deficiency in the universe, and the task of man is to remove that deficiency. What is the deficiency the Rabbanishim created in the universe? The deficiency that the Rabbanishim created in the universe was a concealment of his presence, a concealment of the nature of the Rabbanishim himself. And it is the task of man to try to understand the nature of the Rabbanu Shalom, to see through the Bria. So, and therefore, the Rabbanu Shalom created the universe in a situation called Hester Yehudoi, where his unity, his absolute unity, the nature of the Rabbanu Shalom is concealed, Hester. And it is the purpose of man to be Magala Yehudoi, to reveal that unity, or the true understanding of the Rabbanu Shalom in the Bria. Now, in order for Odom to be tested correctly, <clears throat> the situation was created. Where well, the universe was created with a certain amount of concealment of the Rav Nishlam. So it was possible for Odom to fool himself and say, that wait a minute, it's possible to eat from the tree, etzatas, and as a result of that, I will become like the Rav Nishlam. In other words, since Odom did not see the Rav clearly, he thought that there was an alternative direction. Another entity called the tree that actually had the power to give one the ability to to be as God. Like the Nachash says, mm-hmm. you be as God. The Nachash tempted him that way. So Adam didn't realize that the Rebun nature is such where nothing exists besides him. So therefore there is no alternative tree. That tree itself is merely created to test Adam. That he should think it's an alternative. But the idea is that in this Hester, and in this situation where evil exists, man has to recognize the truth about reality, and that is the absolute unity of the Rabbanishthon. So, therefore, the original amount of Hester, of concealment, and the original amount of evil is the deficiency that the Rabbanishthon placed. Odom had nothing to do with this deficiency, it was his fault. The Rabbanishthon placed him in this Briya, in this universe. Already having a deficiency and a certain amount of evil in it. This is called chassan, the original deficiency. So it was the task of man to remove this hester, concealment, and therefore to remove evil. Now the concealment would be removed by Adam being mezakich as in the universe. What happens is when the universe is purified, when the physical substance actually changes, as I stated... Then the Nishama can experience the Shalom without the obstacle of a body. So, therefore, the concealment would be removed and the evil would be removed. This would be the task of man to remove that original Chassan. As a result of this removal, Zikuch HaGuf and Ra, as a result of the removal of the Chassan, the deficiency that the Shalom himself put into the universe to test man, what would happen is there would be a tremendous revelation of the presence of God throughout the entire universe, much more than was at the time that Adam was present. This would be called Gili Yehudoi a revelation of the unity of the Rebel completely. And that would be Eulam Habur. This is basically what the task of Adam Rishon was. Of course, Adam Rishon did not do that. He ate from the tree. Therefore, what Adam did is he increased the chasan, the original deficiency, and he did what's called kilkol, or pagam. He actually damaged the universe. In what way? Because by his chet, by his sin, he increased the amount of hester, or concealment of the presence of God. The universe now changed in two radical ways. That God's presence was much greater concealed, much more concealed than previously, and this was me mida me the measure for measure. You insist on doing against God's will, God's will, which means that you insist on seeing yourself as also a divine entity that you can do whatever you want, not against the will of God. Therefore, the repercussion of that is that God conceals His presence even more. So now the test is even harder to figure out that the true nature of reality is that there's only the Rabbanu Shalom. In other words, man made his test more difficult. He increased the deficiency and now became a kilkel, a damage. In addition, what happened, the second major catastrophic catastrophic event was that the sitra achra, which means other side, the other side of Kedusha, he now became internalized in the body of man. Before, he was external to man in the form of a nochash. In other words, the eight Sahara was external to man in the form of a snake. He could tempt man, but only external to him. As a result of the fact that man increased, or he did the chet, evil was tremendously increased in power to tempt man, and evil was internalized in the body of man. It now became part of his psyche, and now you can't run away from it. Wherever you go, you take the etzerah with you. So therefore, we see that evil, that the two major repercussions of the chet, or of the kilkel, the pagam, the damage in the nebriah, was a tremendous increase in the concealment of the presence of God. And second, that the evil was tremendously increased and it actually became internalized in the body of man. So now everybody has the Yetzirah in him, not outside of him. Which means that the Yetzirah or the Sitrach now has power over the body. And of course, one of the results of that is Misa. That's why man dies. Because the Yetzirah has the Shlita of the Guf, of the body. But I explained this previously, I'm merely summing up. Now, therefore, there became two jobs for Odom Rishan to do. And actually, not for Odom. They became two major jobs, if you recall. The first job was to remove the kilko that man himself contributed, to remove the damage. And the second thing is that if man removes the damage, you still have to remove the original deficiency that the rebellion gave in the Bria. Right? So, therefore, there are two jobs. Man now must remove kilko. The contribution that he made... In terms of the increase of the power of evil, and also in terms of the concealment of the Islam. And, and once that kilk is removed, then man will be at the stage like Adam Rishon was before the Chet, with just a certain amount of original chisan. And the second job is to remove that. As a result of that, two ideas were created the idea of a Mashik bin Dov and a Mashik bin Yosef. Two Mashikhin. There are two messiahs to clay Israel. Therefore, we see the Mashiach bin Yosef's his task is to remove the kilkel, remove the damage caused by man, and the Mashiach bin David completes the Messianic avodah, uh, 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 and that is that he removes the original chassan of man, and he completes the idea, and then is ushered in Yomose Mashiach, the days of the Mashiach. That's why there are two Mashiach, Two messiahs, Mashiach bin Yosef to remove the kilkel, and Mashiach bin David to remove the actual Hassan, the original deficiency that was given to man. Now that we have this kind of an introduction, which I actually had given previously, but I felt, you know, just to remind people, we can now begin going into the Indian of the Mashiach and, and, and look at it much more profoundly, much deeper. And, uh, like I say, I originally didn't think I would be speaking about this. I thought I had finished the Indian of the Moshiach previously. But I felt that this is very important to know, and that it's proper to end it with these ideas. That's why I'm giving a share on this. Um, in any case, we can look into the Indian of the Moshiach more profoundly. And when you do, you begin to realize that the Chumash is really a closed book. It's a very interesting kind of book, the Chumash, Sefer. It can be read on one level, but on another another level there's an internal story that is very different than the upper story. That's the way the the, the Sefer is written, the uh, Chumash is written. Which shows us that the Chumash has many many different levels of understanding. As we say, parades, Pshat, remes, remes, and Said That the Chumash has different levels of being understood. The Pshat, the plain meaning, the secrets, the illusions of it and so on, and the, uh, the way people expound it. But in any case, let us try to delve a little more deeply into the Chumash, and see what does the Chumash say about what's really going on. Let's take a look at the beginning, Parshas Precious, and we find an interesting story, of course, that Odomerishin was given a commandment not to eat from the eights, Hadas, Tehverah, correct? So it says in the Chumash that there were two trees. One was the Chayim, tree of life, that stood in the middle of the garden, and then close by, the Mefor say that the Eitz Hadass Teverah, was also in the middle of the garden, close by, but uh, uh, further away. And we have two trees in this uh, uh, Gan Eden. Both approximately, or, or the Eitz was in the middle, and Eitz Hadass was very near that. So it's interesting to understand, what's the idea of two trees, Eitz Chaim, what's the idea of two trees? And why is one called the Eitz Chaim and the other called the Eitz hadas Toivara, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Other than what the story says, that if you eat it, you get knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat that, you live forever. Other than those ideas, are there, is there any kind of deeper meaning involved in the name and the quantity of the trees? Also, they were both in the middle of the garden. They were not far from each other. What also is the, the meaning of that? To understand this, we understand that the Eitz Chaim itself is really a symbol. A symbol of what? The Eitz Chaim symbolically represents the Rebbe Yishlonim, because it's the Eitz Chaim, it's the Tree of Life. It is the source of all being, the source of all reality. And of course, it's precisely in the middle of the garden, because everything emanates from the middle. So the Eitz Chaim, as such, the Tree of Life, Represents the Rabbanish Luram, who is the tree of life, the Eitz Chaim, the source of all existence to all beings. The Eitz Hadas, Tovara, the tree of knowledge, knowledge of what? Knowledge of Tov Ra. What is Tov and Ra? One either has knowledge about the source of existence, or one doesn't have knowledge of the source of existence. That is what good and evil is. If you know the Rabbanish Luram, that is Tov. If you know the Etzachayim, that is the Tev. And if you don't know about the Etzachayim, you don't know about the source of existence, you think you are the source of existence, that's called Ra. So it comes out that the Ra is really the tree of knowledge. It represents man, the Ra, that man has the knowledge of good and evil in him. He he has the knowledge of the true source of reality, the Rupon or he may have the knowledge of Ra, evil, which that he is the source of reality, not the Eight Chayim. So you have the Eight Chayim as the Rebbe Hishlom, and you have the Etzah to as man. The idea is that man, who is the knowing, must connect with the Etzah Chayim. In other words, the Etzah Das and the Etzah Chayim in truth become connected. In other words... In the beginning reality was created such where you had the Eight in the middle of the garden, and the Eitzad Das Tivra also in the middle, but further away. That being further away, or that short distance that it was away from the Eightzachhaim, represents the amount of hester that was in the briah the amount of concealment, since it was away from the Itza Chaim. It had a it had a great it had a great knowledge of the Eight but was more limited because again it was away from the Eitzachhaim. And the idea is that the, it's the tachas of the Eitz HaDas, which is, knows nose to ultimately merge with the Eitz HaChayim, which, of course, means man experiencing the Rabbani directly, man experiencing God himself. This is the idea of why you have two trees, Eitz HaChayim and Eitz HaDas, because there is only two components in the Bria. There is the Rabbani Shalom, and the being that has to comprehend the rabbi nishlalim. So you have the Eitzachayim, which is a source of all existence, the rabbi nishlaram. The Eitzachayim is man who knows good and evil, and the good and evil that he knows is either he knows the rabbi nishlaram, or he doesn't know the rabbi nishlalim. He insists on seeing himself as the rabbi nishlalim. And the ultimate purpose is that they have to join. And they are near each other, but not joined, because the task of man, of course, is to join with the Eitzachayim, which means, metaphorically, that man experiences the Rabbanu directly. That's Dvekis, clinging to the Rabbanu But in order for, and we find also, that as a result, the Rabbanu is the mashpiya. He gives out the influence, he sustains, and man is the makabel. Man receives that sustenance from the Rabbanu So you have the relationship between makabel, mashpiya, and makabal. The Rabbani Shlom is the Mashpiya, means he influences or he sustains. And man is the Makabel in the sense that he perceives that sustenance correctly. So he is the Makabel of what the Rabbani Shlom gives out. That's the Eitz Hadass Tevira, which is the Makabel. Which, by the way, also you notice that the idea of a Mashpiya and a Mushpa, or a Mashpiya and a to give out, to sustain and to receive that sustenance, is really called a Zivl, a pair. It's a pair. One gives, one is the active, and the other is the passive, that receives that sustenance. When the Rabbah created the Bria, he made man, who happens to duplicate exactly the relationship that the Rabbah has to the Bria, which I'm going to speak about later, the whole idea of what Salam al really is. So when he created man, he incidentally created man in man and woman. You have the same phases, one being the active and the, uh, the woman being the passive component. And that zivuk together constitutes the entity. Because the truth is that the zivuk of the Rebbein in Klai Yisrael constitutes the entity that the Rebbein wants to exist. In other words, he created man the exact same way he relates to Klai Yisrael, which I'll speak about in a future day. But in any case, we understand now that the Eitzachayim and the Eitzataz metaphorically represent the Rebbein and in man, who has the knowledge of good and evil, and who ultimately will join with the Rebbein in other words, the Etzah Chaim is what's called the primius the inner, the inner principle or the inner idea. And the Etzah Das Tevara is what's called the Chetsonius, the external or the outer idea. And it's the purpose, or rather, the, when the Etzah Chaim and the Etzah Das merge, you have the primius and the getting together. Now, the only way that the Etzah Das gets together with the Etzah Chaim is by removing Ra. So therefore it becomes the Eitz Hadass Toiv, and then it connects with the Eitz HaChayim. That is the metaphor of what the Eitz HaChayim and the Eitz Hadass Toiv signify, why there are two trees, why they are named thus, why they're in the middle of the garden, separated by a small distance, which indicates the amount of Hester. Now, let us interpret the metaphor. Let's go back to the idea of Adam Rishon. his task, if you recall and how, what his chet did, in terms of this metaphor. Odom Hrishon, as I said, was supposed to mezakech the guf, purify the body, and remove ra. In other words, Odom Hrishon was supposed to, supposed to remove the original chesan, which is the ra connected to that tree. The Eitz hadas Tov there's a certain amount of evil connected with that tree. He was supposed to remove that evil out, and it would be the only Eitz Hadass tev. This was the one task of Odom. The second thing Odom was supposed to do is what? Purify the body. That would have meant removing the distance between Odom and the Rabbani Shlom. That would have meant, metaphorically, uniting the Eitz HaDas, Toiv, with the Eitz Achaim. That's what he was supposed to do. And that would have been, a, of course, a removal of the original deficiency that the Rabbani Shlom gave into the Bria. And as a result of that, the completion would have been that the tree would, trees would have been united, which means that man would be united with the Rebbein Shalom, Dvekus, and that would be the state of Ulum Habor. It's an exact metaphor. How you see, the 8th Chaim is an exact metaphor for the whole purpose of what man has to do. Now, Odom did not do that. Instead, what? He increased the deficiency, right? He damaged, so therefore he increased the distance between the trees, A, and he also increased the amount of evil in the tree. It was now Eitz HaDas, almost Eitz a little Toiv and a lot of Ra. So this is what Odub did to the tree. He damaged the outer tree, the Das Toiv Ra, by removing it further from the Eitz HaKhayim and by adding into the Eitz Toiv Ra much more Ra. So now as I say, it's Eitz Ma'at, Eitz HaDas Toiv Ma'at, Ra And now it knows much more evil. So therefore the task of man, of course, becomes two. And now again we look at the the two Meshikhin, because they complete the task. The task of the Mashiach bin Yosef is to remove the Ra, the extra Ra put into the universe, or the extra Ra put into that tree, to remove that Ra, this is the task of the Mashiach bin Yosef. To remove that kilkol, the damage that was done to that tree, the increase of the ra, and the task, and, and that is, how is that illustrated? If you recall, I went into the scenario of the Mashiach previously, and I said that the Mashiach has four, uh, four uh, purposes. The Mashiach bin Yosef. The first purpose is what? Is to restore all Kali world in Eretz Yisrael, Kibbutz Gluyos, to bring back all the exiles of Israel in America and Russia, all over the world. The second thing is to subjugate the Goyim under the Jews. The third Takhlas is to reveal the original Or, light, or Chokhmah, as I had mentioned previously, or to bring in the presence of the Rebelshim much greater in the universe. And also to build the base on Mikdash. These are the four ideas. One can understand now why these, these are the four ideas in concrete terms, the four missions. Now you can understand these four missions in terms of the metaphor which I had mentioned. Das Tevara. His purpose is to what? Is to remove the kilko, to remove the evil, right, from the entire Bria. The evil is removed, so therefore, if, he, if you remove evil from the Bria, what would result? Then the Eitz would be eitz Hadas Toiv. Ra would be out. In other words, evil would be external, like it was originally, but not removed. So, by gathering Klai Israel together and bringing them to Eretz Israel, in essence, what has he done? He's externalized the Goyim. Because right now, what is Klai Israel? Spread throughout the entire universe, correct? There's no difference between Klai Israel. You have Jews in every country. What the Mashiach does is by gathering the Goliaths, he removes the Ra external to Klai Israel. You now have Israel versus the entire world outside of it. So that's the Kibbutz Gluyos, which removes Klai Israel away from the goyim. Again, his mission, the tree symbolizes his mission, which in effect will really happen. And the second thing is that by removing Klai Israel and bringing him to Israel, he also subjugates the goyim. Because in order to do that, you have to have tremendous power against the Goyim, because they're not going to let the Jews go so quickly, even though they want to throw them out of the UN. But still, they're not going to let the Jews go that quickly. Russia, of course not. So in that kibbutz gluyos, he both subjugates the Goyim, but not destroys it. He subjugates it. And what he also does is he externalizes the Goyim, or removes the evil, exactly what he has to do. And also, in addition... (coughs) He removes the Hester, the Hester that Odom contributed, which is part of the damage that Odom did, part of the Kilko, by revealing that first light, or the chokhmah or revealing the presence of the Rebbein Shalom in a much greater degree, and also by building base HaMidosh. Those two are the positive things that bring the Rebbein Shalom much greater back into the Bria. This is the Mashiach bin Yosef. The Mashiach bin David, if you recall, whose major task was to destroy the Sitra achra completely, if you recall and to usher in the Messianic Age he is symbolized by bringing the tree closer, the Eitz HaDas Vira, closer to the Eitz chaim or rather merging it with the Eitz chaim and how do we see it in terms of a specific task because he destroys Ra altogether, means he literally destroys the Eitz that's what Chaza means, that he shechs the Eitz HaKhaym and so, therefore, there is no more evil influence. Everything is perfectly good. God is Bechira, or free will. And, the, and therefore, as a result of the destruction of the 8 the trees now can merge. And that is symbolized by increasing the amount of presence of the Rav to an incredible extent. And that ushers in the immersive Mashiach. So it comes out that the Mashiach ben Yosef metaphorically is represented by the tree, as well as the Mashiach ben Dovid, even in terms of the concrete tasks that they have to do. So this is the idea of how the concept of two Mashiachs arose, because there were two tasks as a result of the Chet of Odom Rishon, the increased amount of concealment and evil that Odom contributed to the universe, and the original Cheson, the original amount of Hester and evil that was present when Odom was first created. So therefore the Mashiach Ben Yosef's task is to remove man's contribution to the destruction or the damage of the Bria, and that's illustrated by his specific tasks and the task of the Mashiach ben Dovid is to be much more complete the actual merger of the Eitz Chaim with the Eitz to TeVera and that of course is the entire purpose of creation now as a result of this as a result of this Adam did the Chet correctly right he did the Chet and of course the sin changed the universe radically. As I mentioned, it introduced the idea that the Yetzirah now became internal to man. And the second thing, it increased the concealment far greater than before. Now, the universe, therefore, needs a repair. That's what it needs. It needs a tikkun. It needs a repair. So it comes out that much of history that you observe is really in the service of that tikkun, as I will show you as history, how, as it goes by, and I had previously mentioned this in, in the previous show. that much of history is really a tikkun of the chet of Adam Rishon to try to remove the kilko, the chetsonius, and also to try to remove the chesan, the Pnimius, given over to two different individuals, sheikh ben Yosef and sheikh ben David. After Adam Rishon, we find, of course, what the Rav would want to do is try to remove that as quick as possible, so who, of course, are the children of the Cain and Hevel. Cain and Hevel, right? So, interestingly enough, if you look at the Psukim in a different way, it actually comes out that Cain really is the Mashiach ben Yosef, and Hevel is the bin ben Dovid. Because that was the first way, right, that was the first attempt. The Rebo is interested in only one thing, and that is to remove the Kilkel and to remove the Chassan. Once that happens, then the, the Reboshram is united again with Odom in Vegas. That's the whole purpose of the Bria, is that man should experience Reboshram directly, which is the merge of the Eitzachayim, the source of life, with the Eitzach Das Teverah after you kicked out the Ra, and they now merge. The Reboshram is not interested in anything else, he's not interested in all the scientific revolutions going on. He's not interested in all the absurd exploits of man and the adventures of man. He's interested in only one thing, and that's why he created man, is that man fulfills a certain task, and that task is to recognize the true nature of reality, namely the Rebbein As soon as that's realized, Ulam Haba merges, with the Rebbein where man experiences the Rebbein directly in an awesome way, and that becomes Ulam Haba. So therefore, as soon as Adam did the Chet, what was he trying to do with the Rebbein Mesakin, those two ideas, the kilkul and the chassan. That's, all, that's what he wants to do immediately. So the two individuals that are born after, and that's why they are two, is Kain and Hevel. Cain is supposed to do what the Mashiach ben Yosef is supposed to do, and Hevel is supposed to do what the Mashiach ben David is supposed to do. Where do you find that in the besukam? Because it says that, what was Cain? Cain was an Uvid Doma, he, he, he worked the land, and Hevel was a rei sign. He was a shepherd. What is the idea, the essence of a shepherd? The essence of a shepherd is that, is that when the sheep are fulfilling their needs, when they have to do whatever they have to do, the shepherd makes sure that they don't get lost. shepherd doesn't feed sheep. Sheep eat themselves. What the shepherd does, it makes sure it doesn't get lost and it returns it back to its corral. The Indian of the Mashiach ben Dovid is what? Is to return the Eitz back to the Eitz Chaim, To return... He, uh, 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 that man should be restored or merged with the Rabbanishlam to experience the Rabbanishlam directly. And that's a right sign. He's a shepherd of she- a shepherd of sheep. He makes sure that the sheep, when they're doing their task, will ultimately go back to the corral that they came from. In other words, he brings them back to their home base. That's exactly what the Mashiach bin David does. Kain, which is the Mashiach bin Yosef, <coughs> the first one, <coughs> he works the ground. What is the ground? The new Gashmi is the physical substance that man now incorporated. Kain had to remove the ground, the earth, the dust, the new physical, the the physical, gross physicality that man ushered in. This was what Kain had to work. He had to work that kilkul, that that new uh, um, physical substance and the evil that became implanted in man. And Cain and Hevel, of course, had to return man to the original chorale. Then it says in the Chomish, and it was at the end of days. So they translated, literally means at the end of days. Yeah, they translated, and there was a passage of time. So so Cain offered up his uh, offering, Mincha, and Hevel offered up his. But the Rabboshim didn't regard the Mincha of Hevel. Uh, Kain, he only regarded, he only accepted the mincho of Hevel, and then Kain, then Barashim says to Kain, what are you so sad about? If you do, if you, if you do good, it'll be lifted. If not, sin lies, went to pounce on you, and then of course Kain goes ahead and kills Hevel. So we see that, so the Lashem there is, at the end of days, they translate it, after a certain amount of time. But Miket Tzayom, means like Miket Tzayom, at the end of days. Because the truth is that kain did his Avoidah, and Hevel did his Avoidah. So Itaka was the end of days. Nothing was supposed to happen after kain v. Hevel. Because the Meshikhin were going to complete their Avoidah. Kain was his Avoidah, was Meshik v. Yosef, and Hevel was his Avoidah, was to again bring back uh, again bring back man to, to, to the Rebunish and that's what Niket is, at the end of the days. Literally, that's exactly what it was. But unfortunately, Cain did not do a good job as the Mashiach ben Yosef. And, the Rebbe, and he therefore, of course, and that was that's what's meant by their mincha, by the offering. Cain offered his avidah, which is of ben Yosef. And Hevel offered his avidah, which is again the Mashiach ben David. But the Rebbein accepted that of Hevel and not of Cain, which means that Without, kind, without, without kinds of virtue they cannot be they cannot be a cake because you must remove the kilko. Uh. So what the Hashem said the kind was if you do your job ace it will be lifted. What does the ace mean? It means that evil and physicality will be lifted <laughs> off the eights. it will be lifted off the entire body of man. Evil again will be externalized and not in the body of man. But if you don't, then of course, evil mamish is right next to you, <coughs> internally. And of course, Cain, of course, did not accept that. and He wound up killing Hevel, which of course tremendously increased the kilkel of the Bria. So after that attempt failed of Cain and Hevel, <coughs> which is the first attempt to undo the whole idea of kilkel and chassan of adam Rishon, then things generated until Noah and son. And we find the next time is that when the makes a covenant with Avram. And the covenant with Avram basically was, look, remove the union of Kilkul and Chassan, that's the whole task of man. But the Rebbe Hashim did not give it to Avram because it wasn't sure. Because the idea is that, as I mentioned previously, if something is heeded by a person for three generations, then it will always be part of the Ummah. <laughs> See, it now required a rabbim, many people apparently, to do this avoda. And what the Rabbin did, he made a bris with Avram, a covenant, or an agreement with Avram, that he would be Israel. And as I had mentioned previously, the taches of Yisrael, the purpose of Klai Israel, is to do those two things remove the kilko completely and the chassan, because that's the whole task of man. So, since Avron was the first generation, the Reborn waited for three generations till Yaakov, and Yaakov was called Yisrael. Why? Because you need three generations where a a person observes the mitzvahs, and so on, in order (coughs) to be called Yisrael, the concept of Yisrael. And since three generations were observed, Yaakov, as a result of that, Yaakov was now called Yisrael. So, as soon as Yaakov is called Yisrael, what happens? Now, again, the ideas of Mashiach appear. You have Yosef and Yehuda, the 12 tribes. The Reversion doesn't wait. Immediately he's back to try to fix the whole idea. So as soon as Yaakov is called Yisrael, he, the, 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 the two individuals who basically represent the idea of Mashiach is Yosef, one son, and, and uh, Yehuda, the other son. Of course, one is the Mashiach from Yosef and the other Mashiach from David. Each one had emerged from one was from Rachel, Mashiach ben Yosef <clears throat> comes from Rachel, and Mashiach ben David comes from Leah. But in any case, we find now the Inid of Mashiach goes constantly through Klai Israel, <clears throat> with Yosef and also with David. Because the Rabbanu through the Mashiach and through Klai Israel, is constantly trying to undo all the different uh, kilkulum or damages all the influences of chet, of sin, in the Bria. And as a result of that, ultimately restore what the universe was before. So this we find by the union of Yosef and Yehuda. However, unfortunately, there were two major disasters that occurred to the Mashiach ben Yosef and also a minor disaster that occurred to the Mashiach ben David. with the understanding of that, one begins to understand a great deal of what transpires through history. The idea is that, if you recall, that Moshiach ben Yosef, the whole idea is to externalize evil, to subjugate evil. Well, Yosef was forced into Mitzrayim. Now Egypt at that time, of course, was the greatest nation on earth. It epitomized all the evils that men were about. All the incest, all the aviduzerl, all the kishif, everything that men was about... Egypt symbolized that. So the task of the Mashiach ben Yosef, of course, is to subjugate that evil. And that's exactly what happened. Yosef went into Mitzrayim, into what's called the clepus into the Tumor of Egypt. And first he was a prisoner for quite a while, for 13 years. Then he became Sheni Lamelech in Egypt. So he subjugated Egypt as a result of that. And of course, he could not remove evil itself, so therefore he was only shaming the Melech. Pari was still above him. Because it's not the task of the Mashiach and Yosef to remove evil totally from the Briah, merely to subjugate a majority of evil. So as a result of that, um, so therefore the position or the history of Yosef really tells us or indicates to us what the whole idea of Mashiach bin Yusuf, and that's exactly why these things transpired to Yusuf. Because, again, as I said, the taqs of Yusuf is to subjugate evil. Okay, so therefore Yusuf had to intimate triumph to subjugate the greatest nation on earth, which epitomized basically most of the evil on earth, as Chazal said. <coughs> so, therefore, Yusuf then went to Egypt to do that work and he subjugated Egypt however there was a certain tumult that arose and what arose was and this was a tremendous damage to the Mashiach ben Yosef and from here we begin to understand why in the gemara it says that the Mashiach ben Yosef dies which i had mentioned previously that the Mashiach ben Yosef dies which i had mentioned previously does not only mean that he dies in other words, if, when the Mashiach ben Yosef comes and he does all these tasks, and then he's killed by Goig, Goig-Mogog, Goig from the land of Mogog, or his other name is called Amulus, the Mashiach ben Yosef is killed after he becomes Mashiach. This is what the Gemara says. But I had mentioned previously that the Zoya says that the Mashiach ben Yosef will not be killed. Now, if the Mashiach ben Yosef does get killed, it doesn't mean that he's the only one that gets killed. It means that all of Israel goes back into the Golos after the Mashiach has come. And what the Gemara says that the ones who will remain alive is Chad Be'ir, one in a city and two in a family, happens then. That's how great the disaster would be if the Mashiach was killed. Because here is the Mashiach who comes to save Klai Israel, right? And he succeeds, and then he himself is killed by the Goyim, namely Goyig. Or Amulus—it's another name for him. So the disaster is not only to the Mashiach Ben Yosef, but Kliasro goes back into the Gollus, and there's an incredible amount of catastrophe to Kliasro, and then Mashiach Ben David comes to save whatever's the remnant of Kliasro. So obviously, everybody has a vested interest in the Mashiach Ben Yosef not dying. Obviously, so the question is really: Why does the Mashiach Ben Yosef die? Whoever heard something like that—that a Mashiach dies? And of course, what saves him? Why doesn't he die, assuming that he does have to die? But like I say, I felt it important to tell you what the significance of the Mashiach ben Yosef dying and what it means to cry Israel. And uh, <laughs> for that, we now begin to go into these two ideas, that there were two major events that created the... Um, the union of the Mashiach bin Yosef, the Indian of the Misa of the Mashiach bin Yosef, and as a result to offset that death of the Mashiach bin Yosef, other things happened through history in order to correct or undo that idea. Now, last, or any, in any case, I just want to summarize very briefly certain of the ideas that have been discussed so far, especially concerning the idea of the Mashiach bin Yosef. And I, I mentioned that Odom Rishon had several tasks to perform. And as a result of his chet, of course, not only did he not perform those tasks, but he damaged the Bria. And I mentioned that the damage, t- the uh, idea of this is basically <coughs> two ideas. In that the original deficiency of the universe, the chasan, was the, the idea that the Rav made a certain amount of concealment and the task of man would be to remove that concealment of God uh, in other words to understand that the is the true source of all existence that original amount of uh, of Hester uh, of, uh, or concealment of God's nature in, this, in that sense is called chisam, and man by doing his sin damaged that and he increased the amount of concealment and that is called Kukul so therefore there are two levels of work one is that man must remove the kilkul or the, the amount of uh, concealment of God's presence that he contributed and the second is that once that has been done then man will be back at the original level of what God contributed to the Bria in order to give man a task and uh, man would then remove the chassan and therefore what arose was two concepts the Mashiach ben David and the Mashiach ben Yosef Mashiach ben Yosef is the being or individual who will remove the kilkol, the damage that man did to the Bria. And the Mashiach ben Dovid is the one who is mashlim, the Avoida, who removes the contribution that the Rabban did, the amount of hester the Rabban did. And we, of course, always ask for the Mashiach ben David because he is the second of the Mashiach who completes the work. Now, uh, I mentioned also the idea of Eitz and Eitz HaDah's that those two trees symbolize the entire purpose of man that man is represented by the Eitz-Hadas Tov Ra he is the one who knows good and evil and the is the rabbinical himself and it is the task of man to remove Ra and become an Eitz-Hadas Tov and therefore to unite with the eitz that's why there are only two trees and the fundamental understanding is that the two trees are united which is Dvekos I'm going very rapidly now uh... and the idea is that the uh, man who is represented metaphorically by the Eitz da'as teverah will then unite with the Eitz chayim however man did not do that so as a result of this the Eitz chayim was then further removed from the Eitz da'as teverah and the Eitz da'as teverah now not only was it more removed from the Eitz chayim but the tree also changed in the sense that evil became implanted in the tree and that corresponds metaphorically to man the evil in the Bria, or the Yetzirah, now became internalized in man. Uh, and then I mentioned Cain and Hevel, that Cain was the first Mashiach from Yosef and Hevel was Mashiach from David, and it did not succeed again. And then I began to talk about Yosef and Yehuda, and today is where I will really be going into that much more in depth. Now as as time went on, after the first attempt failed at restoring mankind, to its original position, namely Kain and Hevel, I had mentioned that the universe proceeded again where mankind again did more and more khatayim, until the Rebbe made a covenant with Avram, which means that Avram is now the one to restore the Ebrea to its original status. That's what the covenant means. And it's symbolized by Mila, which is something which uh, I will deal at another time, how, that, how it symbolized the entire idea. But in any case, uh, and it waited of course till Yaakov as I would mentioned previously that the idea is that if uh, an individual if a tradition is held by three generations that means it will never be lost by that family and therefore when Yaakov was born and he maintained the tradition of the mitzvahs, whatever was given to Avram then of course he was called Yisrael which is the which is the uh, people or the idea of why the universe was created, for the concept of Yisrael, and Yisrael devolves upon anybody who is in, in, in agreement, or who will make an agreement with the Rabbanu that they are the people who accept the agreement, they will do the mitzvahs and the Rabbanu will give them olam Haba, that's the concept of Yisrael, and Yaqub, since he held the tradition and he was the third generation, therefore he was called Yisrael, that's why Avraham and Yitzchak were not, because they needed three generations to make sure that that tradition would be held. Okay, Now, as soon as Yaakov, of course, is called Yisrael, we now have the concept of the original ideas of the two Meshikhin again appearing in history. Because the whole historical idea, especially Jewish history, revolves around those two ideas. There's Meshik ben Yosef and Meshik ben Dovid. One to remove the Kilku, and the other one is to remove the Chesan of the Bria. This is the whole idea. And we begin to find it, of course, in Yehuda and Yosef. Now, the idea of the idea of Yehuda and Yosef or rather the idea of Yosef I'll enumerate actually uh, what I want to do is explain a very fundamental idea first. In order to appreciate the ideas of the Moshiach ben Yosef the Moshiach ben David one has to know certain ideas which are a little mystical but it's really not too difficult if you explain them okay. Now there is such a concept in Kabbalah And I'll explain it so nobody has to get frightened. There's a concept called Heslopsius of kedusha B'teuch HaKlipus. What does that mean? Well, first let me translate. It literally means that the kedusha, the Holy Shekhinah, which is the manifestation of God in the universe, clothes itself or surrounds itself or is engulfed by the Sitra Akhra, the evil that entity which controls all the evil things going on in the universe, called the Sitra Akra, which means the other side, the other side of Kedusha, the Shekhinah is engulfed by this power called the Sitra Akra. That's what it means. It means that the Kedusha, the holiness, is enclosed or puts on the garment, He Slavshus, Lovosh, to put on a garment of tuma. Now, what does that mean? If you recall, the purpose of creation is that man has a, a definitive task. The Rebbein Shalom purposely concealed his presence from the universe. And the task of man is that he should realize who the real source of all existence is. And as a result, the physical universe would express that revelation. That, which means that the Rebbein would be perceived more in the universe. If man does chatoim, or sins, then God would be less concealed in the universe and physical universe would express that way. That you don't you don't see the them anymore in terms of what's happening in history. This is a general idea which is really elaborated on the previous tapes. But in any case, man controls the amount or rather man oddumrishan control and everybody controlled it until Avram. Once Avram made the agreement nobody controlled it but Avram and his descendants. And the only way Goim can control what I'm going to speak about is if they become a Jew. That's the only way they have access. In any case, uh, when a person who has that control by his mitzvahs or his aviris, when he does a mitzvah, he can affect the Rabbanu Shalom in the Bria. He actually brings the presence closer, in a literal sense. And historically, it manifests itself in many ways. When a person has a chet, or that individual that can have that effect, what happens is the Rabbanu Shalom is concealed in the Bria, and as a result, history reflects itself in a different way. Now, that is metaphorically symbolized by what we call the hislapshes b'ter klipus. when the, when a man does a chet or a woman doesn't make a difference. Anybody who has the power, by his avoda, which means mitfis or to influence the amount of revelation or concealment of the rabbanim shalom, when that individual does a chet, what happens is that it looks as if the Shekhinah is surrounded by the Sitra Akhra, as if the Sitra Akhra puts him in prison, and then the Sitra Akhra does whatever he wants. In other words, when the Sitra Akhra, or the force of evil, when it can do whatever it wants, it looks like the Shekhinah is completely handicapped or incapacitated. So it looks as if, what's really happening, is that the Shekhinah is within the Sitra Akhra, as if the Shekhinah dons clothing, and the clothing that it dons is the Sitra Achra. Okay? Now the reason why we use the metaphor of clothing is because the identity of an individual is known through his clothes. Uh, all people, who, people who are naked, they, there's no difference between them. You can't tell a king from a pauper by the person himself. People are recognized, or identities are known, by what kind of clothing they wear. So the lavush is the identity. So therefore. In Kabbalah, it's referred to as a lavush, when we say that the shekhinah is lovish in the klipper. Klipper means a shell, or the it's a, a symbolic name for the forces of evil, the sitra achra. When we say that the shekhinah is within the shell, or it's clothed by the shell, what it really means is that the identity of the shekhinah looks like it's evil. In other words, today, where I guarantee you, the shekhinah is beteuch ha in the sense that the Rabban is incredibly hidden from the universe as we can look all around and see that all evil succeeds and those people who are trying to promote good fail, basically. We therefore don't see the Rabbein Shalom. But we know the Rabban Islam has the power over everything, so it looks like the Rabbein Shalom is doing evil. In other words, his lavush, his identity, looks like a Sitra Akhra. That's what it means. But of course, it's not true. Sh'tet of course it's not true, but the power which is given to the Sitra Akra, in other words, the Shekhinah is able to go under the subjugation of the Sitra Akra because man does Averis, or especially Jews do Averis. That's why it looks or what happens is that the Sitra Akra takes its sustenance from that holiness and it's allowed to because man feeds the Sitra Akra by doing sins. So it looks as if the Shekhinah is wearing the garment of the Sitra achra. This is what it means. Now, in that concept, it's very important to understand two ideas. One is the idea of a regular lavush, or cloth, when you don clothing. And the second idea is the idea of khilo, substitution. And then we'll proceed back to the ideas of the <coughs> when When something is enclosed, by the sitra akro, In other words, when it's lovish in the klippa, that's what it means. Then what happens is that, as I mentioned, historically things change. Because it looks as if the Rebunish himself is promoting evil. Because that's his identity. And that's what the Indian of what we see today. But what that means is that, <coughs> historically, those individuals who try to promote the belief in God fail bitterly. And all good things fail, basically. In other words, those individuals who are to pr- trying to promote man's understanding of God as being the only source of all, <laughs> the comprehension of the absolute unity of the Rebbeinah Islam, they fail. <coughs> that's what what happens when the Shekhinah is in, in within the klipa. In addition, and that's one side, and those people who are to, trying to promote evil, and what is evil? The concept that man is a god, man controls the Bria, like Chaza, the Torah says, that man is responsible for all his actions, independent of the Rebbe That's hesti Yechudoi, that's the concealment of the unity of God, because man declares that God is not unique, he's also as great as the Rebbe That results, both of these things result, as a result of the fact that the Shekhinah is inoperative. That the Sitra Akhra clothes the Shekhinah and can do whatever it wants with the Shekhinah. So therefore, those people who promote Hasagis Yehudoi fail, and those people who promote Hesti Yehudoi succeed. That's the result, really, of what goes on when the Shekhinah is within the bounds of the Sitra Akhra, which it allows itself to be because of the actions of man. Now, there are two ways that an entity, whether it be the Shekhinu or an because an can also be within that klipo or surrounded by the Sitra achra. There are two ways. Sometimes there are two things that can happen. Either the, the uh, let's say, the Shekhinu or the Neshama, a soul, is bound by the Sitra Akhra, but it's imprisoned. The Sitra Akhra does not derive anything from it. What the Sitra does, it does not allow the Nishama to experience any connection with the Rabbanu Shalom of which it would deserve because of its lofty stature. So therefore it sits like in a prison. And the Sitra envelops it and doesn't allow that neshama to experience the Rabbanu Shalom the way it should, as a neshama should. That's one kind of Islapshah, uh, <coughs> or actually being taken prisoner being clothed. The second kind of Islam is far worse. And that is with the, the Sitra Akhra not only is able to keep that nishama from experiencing the Reban Islam and therefore there's tremendous pain to that Nishama, okay, but it's able to unake or actually take the power of that Nishama and use it for its own end. That's called kill, substitution. It's actually able to take the the kedusha that this Nishama should experience and it can take that Kiddushah and use it for its own ends. Which is the opposite, of course, of what the Neshama would do. The Neshama would experience the unity of the Rav Hashanah. Mm-hmm. The Sitra Achra takes it and reverses it. And uses that power to actually conceal the presence of God from all mankind. So that's called a Chilol. The second one is, of course, far greater than the first. Because the first one does not affect the Bria, the universe at large. The second one means that the Sitra Akro, the Sahara, the Malachim, I don't care what you call them. He can now go from one end of the earth to the other, destroying individuals who want to promote the revelation of God. And he gives success to all individuals, the Arabs, Russia, whatever you want. However, And I had illuminated before what, what that means. He can give success to all those kind of individuals that are incredibly evil in mankind. And he derives that power from the neshama itself that he has within its binds. Now the whole relationship of how the sitra-akhra works is for another time. But basically it's a seesaw effect. When when Kedusha is subjugated, it means it can benefit from its power. If Kedusha is above, then the sitra-akhra is below. It's a seesaw. That's why when Yitzchak told Yaakov and Esau... He said, When you will do the will of God, then you will be supreme. If you don't, then Esau will be supreme. And he will be able to subjugate you. That's the seesaw effect. If people do mitzvahs, then Kedusha reigns. And the Ra is nikhna. It's subjugated underneath the forces of good. And it's powerless. If the only way that evil or the Sitra can maintain its power is if people do a chet, if Yidin do a chet, that's the way it gets its power. So it subjugates them, that's called his where it dons them, it, they don the Sitrach clothing, and it actually receives the power of the Kedusha that they would receive, it receives to do its own ends. And that's the condition that the Rebbe created the universe. It's one or the other. There's no such thing as an in-between. Either evil reigns or good reigns, there's no such thing as in-between. That's the seesaw effect that was revealed when Yitzchak told Yaakov, If you do the will, good, then he's under you. If you don't do the will, then he will subjugate you. That's the way it goes. Now, once we understand that, now we can begin to go into the idea of Yosef. Now, that concept is important to understand, even though I don't think it was too difficult to understand. But it has its metaphors, but concretely it has definite meanings, which is, of course, what we have to understand. Is the seesaw effect between the Rabbani Shalom or the Shekhin and the Shamas, and the Setrachra. There's only one, only one is dominating any one time, and that's the, that's the entire <coughs> structure of the Bria. Now, I mentioned that as soon as Yaakov, after he was called Yisrael and so on, you now have the concept of Yehuda and Yosef. Immediately the Rabbani Islam goes back to trying to correct that which was done by Adam Rishon. Because that's the only thing that interests the Rabbani Shalom because after that's corrected then the messianic age can be ushered in and eventually so Yehuda wasn't the idea, Yehuda was the Mashiach bin David, and that's why he was Malchus and Yosef was the Mashiach bin Yosef and he's even named Mashiach bin Yosef because he was the major, the first major uh, individual to begin to perform that task that's the Mashiach bin Yosef was Yosef and as such Yosef, now I want to mention also one other idea, that the difference between the two is that the Mashiach ben Yosef, because he has to remove ra or evil, which became internalized in man, that's the damage that man did, the Mashiach ben Yosef will always be involved into the clipus. he's got to go into the ra itself and fight, not external, he's got to go into it. He's got to engage with evil, or whatever nation represents the evil. He's got to fight with it, overpower it, and win it. That's what his job is. And that's removing the ra, the evil. Sheikh Mendova doesn't do that. He is outside of the evil. Okay, and his, his contribution is much more of Kedusha that he gives to Klai role. Now, therefore, Yosef, as such, the, the job of Yosef was to intimate Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim at that time was the greatest nation on earth, and as such, it was one of the most evil places on earth, as Chazal testified, that it was a tremendously evil place. There was Kishti and so on. <coughs> so it was Yusuf's job to go into Mitzrayim, conquer Mitzrayim, and subjugate it. And this was the tafkid of the Mashiach bin Yusuf. So this is what the taken of Yusuf, this is what Yusuf had to do was to reveal the unity of the reversion within the evil. So therefore, it manifests itself historically that Yosef, of course, was sent to Egypt to do that job. Now, as a result, Yosef was first a prisoner in Egypt, which means he was subjugated by Egypt, and then after a while he was able to take over and he became a the Lamelech. He literally became the second man to the king and the only one above him was power like power says that you will control everything except you know myself except power <coughs> however in other words the idea of the Mashiach bin Yosef was to correct as I mentioned the Qukul of Adam HaRishan now the Odom was was Makalkil de Bria in what's called the Yesuid the foundation why because the foundation of the universe is the Rabbani foundation is the bottom, the source that from which everything emanates and Adam Rishon covered that foundation by choosing to eat from the tree Eitzhadas Teverah and feeling that he was also somebody besides the Rabbani what he did of course was concealing from himself that the Rabbani was the Asuyid of the Bria the foundation as such Odom, uh, Odom Rishon therefore concealed this foundation. Okay? And therefore, the tafkir of the Mashiach ben Yosef would be to reveal the assoid or the foundation, which is the rabbanishonim. That's what it means, metaphorically. To reveal the assoid of the foundation means to megala the yichur of the Reburnish throughout the briah. And therefore, Yosef, what Yosef was supposed to do is enter Egypt and to bring the recognition of the Rabbeinu Shlom throughout and that would be the Tikkun of the Yisoyed to correct or to fix the foundation of the Bria which was damaged by Odom so that's what was damaged the comprehension that God is the foundation of the universe was damaged by Odom's Chet therefore it's a tafkid, and that is the Kilkel of Odom that's the contribution that Odom did therefore the Mashiach bin Yosef has to correct that what he's going to do is massacre that Yisrael, correct or rectify the damage to the Yisrael, and be magali Yechudud. Therefore, what Yosef was supposed to have done is go into Egypt, be subjugated, and rule it, which he basically did. Then, what would happen after that is that Klai Israel would go through Egypt. They also had to go to Israel, right? We were in Egypt for 210 years. Why? Because, again, Caius had to go into the evil. Same idea, to go into Egypt and to maintain their faith, which was three things, if you remember. They didn't change their names. Right? They didn't change their garments. The names, the garments. And they didn't change the language. language. Thanks. Exactly. They had to maintain that in the face of Egypt, which was the greatest... Uh, source of Tumor in that way they were also massac in the Kilkal now you know why Israel through no fault of their own basically had to go through 210 years of slavery to undo the same Kilkal and therefore Klai Israel also went into Egypt and eventually they subjugated Egypt just like Yosef they went out and of course they killed Egypt that, that's how, how what, what kind of a great job Klai Israel basically did so again, you, see, you begin to see historically what happens. That the Indian, to remove the kilk means you have to combat that Ra, go into that Ra, and subjugate it. This is what happened with Yosef. Now you begin to understand why Yosef went to Egypt, how the whole thing revolved itself, that this should happen, and why Caius was in Egypt. Okay. Now this would have been great, and therefore as a result of that, Klai Israel, after Egypt, had now purified or had removed the Kirkel of Odom Rishin. They actually had done it. And they had removed, not only the Kilkel, but they were about to remove the original Chassan in the Kabbalah Satura. Okay? So it was excellent. So the universe was, so the messianic age was about to be ushered in, which it would have been, which Chazal say. Chazal say that the Zoyama of the Nochosh, which again is a metaphor, the venom of the serpent, which means the influence of evil, was removed from the Brio because after Mitzrayim. That's what Chazal is saying. In the Gemara, what does that mean? They are saying that the influence of evil, which came into the universe as a result of Odom or right, Chet, was removed by Klai Yisrael and also by Yosef Mitzrayim. That's exactly what happened. Now, This is what the avoider of Yosef, the avoider also, of course, of Klai and they had been successful in removing. However, certain things happened which severely damaged the whole relationship. And this is what I have to go in, because from this we begin to understand what has happened through thousands of years of history as a result of these ideas. We now can begin to see some of the underpinning ideas of what Mitzrayim was really all about and also what Yosef was about and Yaakov and Avrom and Odomrishan and so on. We begin to see the panorama of, of 2,000 years or even more. But this panorama will go on for another 2,000 years as I will begin to explain. Now we begin to really go into until now we'll be going into the concept of the Mashiach ben Yosef now we are really going to be going into the events of the Mashiach bin Yosef. The tribulations, the difficulties that happened. That every time clients Yisrael reached a stage where they were about to in the Mashiach, bam, something happened that restored again the old Chet of Adam Rishmah. Several times this happened. And you, you begin to see how historically, literally, what was going on in history that was trying to repair the damage or again had to throw Kleinsville back into the whatever they had to go into. And you actually see it unfold in Tanakh and through Jewish history. Which is the only way to learn Jewish history and the only way to learn Tanakh. That, that goes without saying. Now, what was the great damage that was done? It started by Yosef, unfortunately. Yosef went into Egypt and his job was to Adraba rabba subjugate Egypt, which he did. But he did a severe damage before. What was that? He was tested with the Fatifa's wife, Aisha's Fatifah, in the sense that she wanted to have relations with Yosef, which the Torah clearly says. And she told him to, that she wanted relations with him. She waited until everybody went out, because he was very fear-looking, Yosef. He was an incredibly handsome person. And... Uh, she waited until everybody went out. It was a yontif, it was some kind of holiday in Egypt or whatever, as the Mephoshim say. And she waited until she and Yosef were alone in the house. And she then, of course, went over to Yosef and she tried to seduce him. That's, that's what the Torah tells us. Yosef, at, at first... Now, there's a makhlukes in Chazal, what Yusuf, what was going on in Yosef's mind. In any case, according to one shita, and according to Kabo and so on, Yosef was going to fall... The, the, whatever the sign he was going through was, to, was obviously extremely great or else if it was very easy for him to pass it, he wouldn't have experienced it but in any case he went in with the idea of falling in the sense that he wasn't going to make it in a certain sense uh, and this was his idea however what, what the Megrish says the Chazal say that an appearance of his father came in front of him and said uh-uh if you do this, then it's all over. I means your name will be obliterated from the Khoshen, and so on. I means the chet that you're about to perform is of such significance that you will be removed as a command, which you, now and So this is what Yaakov, and as a result of that, he was able to seize himself and, and stay away from her seduction. However... The reason why, if he had engaged in that chet, why would it have been so powerful? I mean, that kind of thing goes on all day in this world. In incest is it's common as breathing air, almost, and zimunson and, so and 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 uh, uh, immorality. Is because Yosef was a shirish of the mashiach when Yosef. When a shirish does a chet, he damages far greater spiritual entities than a Somebody is not that cherished. Obviously, the greater Neshama you are, if you do a Chet, the damage is far greater than somebody who has less of a high Neshama. So had Yosef done that Chet, had, had he been allowed to uh, to be seduced by Fatifa's wife, then he would have damaged, literally, his cherished of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Can you imagine how high that is? That, because the greatest Neshamas are either the Mashiach ben Yosef, or the Mashiach bin David, those two kinds of sources. Had he done that, and he of course was the first in the sense of client's realm. Had he done that, he would have uh, would have been an incredible kind of kliqul. And I do not know the historical repercussions that would have come out. But we can begin hinted by the fact that Yaakov said that if you do go through that, it, it's you finish the shave. It in that sense. In any case, Yosef withstood the nisayin, but not completely. Chazal say that as a result of the interaction of the whole idea what went on, that ten drops of semen issued as a result of the entire interaction. In other words, he was nitzel, he didn't do anything. However, the machshava and the, the, the tremendous seduction of what was taking place did make a certain effect. And that is ten drops esetipus, which Chazal say, of semen did issue forth. Now, those yutipus of course by themselves produced tremendous damage and that's where Yusuf did the damage he wasn't completely he was in, in the sense of really going through however there was something that he did do damage and because his neshama was so great it was an incredible kilko of, of of whatever spiritual entities that these neshamas represent now as a result of that what Yosef was plaguing of course, by that, was the Asuid or the foundation. Again, there was a Pagam of the foundation, which is the revelation being revealed throughout the universe. Pagam is a defect. So therefore, what happened was, as a result of this, is that he damaged through that, and he was a Mashiach ben Yusuf in that sense, and as a result of that, the kilkul, as I said, was tremendously powerful. What that means is that the amount of what happened is as a result of that is that the Sitra Akhra got a true khilo now you can understand it was it was able to take those Esatipas and derive a tremendous amount of power from those Esatipas and as a result of that wreak havoc in a great deal of Klai Yisrael that's what happens it wasn't the complete damage had Yosef Completely done the chet, been seduced by Fatima's wife. However, it was severe, and as a result of that, it gave the Sitra Achra tremendous amount of power. Okay. Now, when we say that the Sitra Akra has a tremendous amount of power, what does it mean? As I explained before, it means that it derives its power from the fall or the chatoim, especially in this case of Yusuf at Sadiq, which was awesome. Therefore what that would mean is that the individual who represent the Sitra Akhra, who Who is that? The Goyim, because the Goyim by the majority try to uh, promote evil Tremendous vicious in the Bria. So when the Sitra Akhra gets power, what does he do? He uses those individuals who want to be evil and therefore represent them in that sense They choose to represent them and he gives them power to subjugate Jews. That, that's exactly what it means So therefore that idea of the Esotipus gave the Sitra tremendous power and what that would mean is that 10 Tzadikim would have to be killed what it means is that which let me explain this before I get to that that as I said the Sitra Akhu receives a tremendous amount of power because of the Kedusha which was hidden again, the Tzadikah which means that The uh, the chet of Yosef, in that sense, was able to give the Sitrach of that power. Therefore, it expresses that power through goyim. Now, what is the greatest the greatest expression of a goy's ability to to uh, be masbiy chudai? In words, if the Sitrach has power in a tremendous sense to hide the concealment of God's presence, right, and it manifests itself through goyim. That Goyim now can do something which will tremendously conceal the presence of God. What act can they do, which is the the the, 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 the most powerful act of all of Hesti Kudai? And the answer is killing Jews. Yeah. There is no greater that that's what the ultimate power of the Sitra is. There's, the Sitra tries to get Eden not to do mitras, so it has conservative movements and reform movements. There's many ways to shake Jews and try to tempt them from not doing mitras. But the greatest way he can do is by getting the goyim to kill the Jews. That is the greatest chilah Hashem of all because it indicates where is God if his own people are being slaughtered. That's what Titus said, I have killed the God of Israel because that was a logical conclusion. I could not have destroyed the Jews if I hadn't killed the God of Israel. That is the right that I killed God because if he's so powerful, he would never have allowed me to kill his own people. So therefore, the manifestation of the greatest Koyach of the Sitra Akhra when he does use the Go'im for his uh, promoter's purposes is when a goy kills a Yid that's what it is that's the, which so you can imagine how powerful the Chatoim of Yidin are if the goyim are allowed to kill Jews that's the greatest blemish or the greatest Hest Yehuda of war therefore, to go back the fact that the Sitra Akhra derived the kedusha. Of 10 drops, right, Of from Yusuf at sadiq which was a of the Mashiach von Yusuf, gave me incredible power to kill Jews, eh, but not only to kill Jews, but to prevent the Indian of the Mashiach von Yusuf from materializing. Okay? Now, through history, that would manifest itself in three ways. Number one, that 10 sadikim. Now, obviously, the greater a Jew is, the greater Chilah Hashem it is for him to die at the hands of a guy, correct? Mm-hmm. Right? The greater a Jew is in, in Kedush and Titkus, obviously, the greatest Hester would be if that Jew died because God is allowing the, the goy to kill that kind of a tzaddik. That's the greatest Hester. So, therefore, the ten drafts would mean that the Sitrach has the right to kill ten of the greatest tzaddikim of all, number one, to, to offset the kedushah of those ten drops of Mashiach ben Yosef. In addition, it wouldn't be sufficient, because what was damaged would require the killing of Jews throughout the Golas. That's why every time a Jew is killed at the hands of a goy, it's part of the tikkun of the Mashiach ben Yosef of Yosef. That's exactly what's going on. <coughs> and the third incredible uh, power that the Siktor would derive from Yosef's kheb is that in the end, the Mashiach ben Yosef, after he has been the Mashiach, get killed by Armulus. Armulus is Goig. You all know know Goy, Gumogoy. Yecheskel says that in the end, there will be Gog G- G- Magog, from the land of Magog. And the Gemara says that the Mashiach ben Yosef will be killed. Now you understand why. Because the Chet of Yosef was so great, that the Sitra Achra would give, would give Goyim, in this case, Goig, who was a Goy such power where he can stop the union of the Mashiach ben Yusuf itself. That's how powerful the Chet of Yusuf was. So therefore, ten tzaddik would have to die, eh? thousands of Jews throughout the centuries would have to die at the hands of goy and a third idea would be that the Mashiach ben Yosef himself, after he's appointed Mashiach, would have to die at the hands of a goy called Amulus. Of course, that wouldn't last that long, but the Yidin would be tremendously, as I mentioned in the last year, that what that would mean for the Eden is that the Goyim would then take the Eden back on the Golas and really afflict them because they'd want to make sure that that never happens again. The idea of a Mashiach until the Mashiach when David would come and destroy the Sitra Achra completely. But this is what would happen as a result of the, of the uh, idea of what Yosef did. However, you know what's important to understand is that the Jew is mechaper for the. Power he gives the Sitra Akhra. He got a machapa for that sin. He has to atone for that Avera. The atonement is the ability of the Sitra Akhra to make the world a much more difficult place to live in. That's his atonement. And the schwitz the, the difficulties that he has to go through in order to observe the Mitzvah and to remain alive, is his fault. He gives the Sitra Akhra that power. And the Sitra Akwa uses the Goyim because that's his representative, those people who have decided to represent him, of course. And therefore they have incredible power over the Jews as a result of those Chatoim. And the specific Chet of Yusuf would have been those three. However, fortunately, as a result of the union of Mitzrayim, Egypt, and the Asun of Moshe Rabbeinu, the entire thing was Niskan, by the time they got out of Egypt. Everything was fixed. Everything. The kilkul of Odom Rishon, the pagam, the def- defect in the shurish of the Mashiach ben Yosef, because of Yosef's chet, this was all fixed. We forgiven. forgiven. It was niskan. it was corrected. Because they had suffered for what and so on. And it was all corrected. So therefore, the, that's what Chazal means, that the, the Messianic age would have been ushered in right then and there, had they not done the Ego, which I'll get into. But in any case, which we begin to see again what happened, but in any case, it was all fixed. Everything was corrected. And therefore, now we begin to understand, why did Yosef have to go into Golas? You know, he ran out of Egypt when he was relatively young. And the next time we find him in Egypt again, is 80 years old when he's about to assume the mantle of leadership. Moshe Rabbeinu, as we see clearly, who was brought up within Egypt was the sheriff of Mashiach bin Yosef, and he was supposed to be the Mashiach bin Yosef, because that was the be- beginning of the end of the Tikkun of Adam Rishon, correction. So Moshe Rabbeinu, in a sense, had to go into Golis, and that's the way he repaired the Chet of Yosef. And Kli- so Klay so Kli- was in Egypt, under their own Yisurin, trying to undo Adam Rishon, and in a sense, Moshe Abenu was in Golos, was in Golos at the hands of Goyim, he had to wander and so on, in that sense of a Kaporo for the chet of the original Sheresh which was Yosef himself. And he, of course, was the Meshach Yosef, or he was about to become, but he was the Sheresh itself. So therefore, after everything was fixed, Moshe in Golos, Yiddin everything is okay... And the Eden are about to enter, of course, Eretz Yisrael, right away, because and that would have been the Messianic Age. That Moshe Rabbeinu would have been the Mashiach ben Yosef, because he was Mamish, right at the point of being crowned. And the Mashiach ben David, whoever he would have been, would have appeared. Okay? And the Messianic Age would have been ushered in, the Moshe Mashiach, and never again would they have been under any kind of Shibud, and Misa would have been obliterated from the world. Now, so the we see, therefore, that the concept of the sitra achra taking the kedusha and turning it into its own end, which is the original structure of the bria, the seesaw effect. Okay, and the chet of Yosef gave the ability of the sitra achra to kill ten tzaddikim, incredible tzaddikim. Now, to understand that a little better, you recall I said that Yosef, his that ordination was pogum the yisoid, he damaged the yisoid, the foundation of the universe because he initiated the idea that he is also somebody so therefore he concealed that concept that God is the source of all that is the foundation so therefore he was supposed to fix that idea right instead he was pointing it further the assay right so therefore who is the assayat of the Bria manifested in this world the answer is tzaddikim. because it says is yisayat oylem you know it says tzaddik oilam the righteous man is the foundation of the world, okay? Therefore, the foundation of the world must die to correct the concealment of the foundation of the world. Now you know why tzaddikim have to die. Because if the pagam, the deficiency by Yusuf was so great, we, we concealed a fundamental basis, which is the assertion the foundation, Therefore, the individuals who represent the foundations of the world, which is sadik, they must die to correct that error. Sadik is seyed That's why tzaddikim die, especially when the Pagam is so great at the hands of a guy. Remember, none of tzaddikim die. Tzaddikim die at the hands of a guy because of partial uh, of this idea. But those ten individuals who will have to die is because sadik is seyed They represent each one. Promotes the foundation of the world, which is the Rabbani Shlalim. They promote the belief in the unity in the absolute power of the Rabbani So therefore they if that needs correcting Because it was concealed by somebody previously they are their death atones for that idea This is the idea of Tzadik Yisoyed Now one minute now also what I want to mention is that this is indicated metaphorically and it's very important to remember this metaphor again because metaphors describe accurately what is the interpretation of the metaphor. It says that after Yosef, he ran away from the house, correct? I mean, he stood in his son with the exception of that unfortunate incident, right? So what happened? She grabbed his baggage, his cloth, but his Big and he ran out and he left the bag in her hand. He left a cloth in her hand. So then she went to her husband and said, See what the Jew that you brought to me, see what he tried to do? Correct? What does that mean? That means that Yosef left his beged. What is the beged? The identity of an individual, correct? He left it in Egypt. That was the pagam. He left it in the clipper. He left it in Egypt. So therefore, the damage that he did was, it's metaphorically mentioned in the Torah that she grabbed his beged, which is his identity. Same idea. Shekhin is clothed in the sitra akhra. The beggar of Yusuf now is war my Egypt, in that sense. That's what it means, that's what the term is referring to metaphorically, allegorically, or symbolically. Of course, the plain meaning is not that way, it's the plain meaning of the story. But the deep understanding of what's going on is that the beggar of Yusuf is in Mitzrayim, and she's got a hold of it, which means that that is the indication that Yusuf was pregib, whatever he had to do he was supposed to correct that misunderstanding that God is this you knows the understanding that God is the source of all, instead he left it in, he left it in Mitzrayim in the hands of the Sitra Akhara, and they now have the clothing but as I say this was all corrected this was all corrected as time went on because of Moshe Rabbeinu and his Yisurim, the, the gods and so on and also the idea of the Jews in Mitzrayim this was all corrected. Now I just want to mention also, shortly about Yehuda, and that Yehuda also damaged in a slight way, not like Yosef, also damaged the Meshichas or the Mashiach Ben David Ben uh, Ben David, and you'll notice that Mashikh Ben Yosef is called Mashikh Ben Yosef, but we don't say Mashikh Ben Yehuda, we say Mashikh Ben David. Why? Well, the beginning, right? There's no accidents. There are reasons why. But the beginning, and I'll explain that as time goes on, is that Yehuda made an error. He did a chet. They were about to sell Yosef. Where were they about to sell Yosef? In Shechem. In Doysim, which was right outside Shechem. They were about to sell him in Shechem, correct? And Yehuda says, no, let us not, uh, they were about to kill Yosef in Shechem. So Yehuda said, ma Betzah, what profit do we have if we kill him? He's our brother. Let's sell him. This was Yehuda's Eitzah. So instead of Yehuda being matzal as Yosef, saving Yosef, instead he offered that they should sell him. So then it says later, Yehuda me'es echob, and Judah descended from his brothers. So Rashi says there in Chazal that Yehuda had a Yerida. He fell in Luchnius. Why? Because the brothers said to him, You are the leader. Had you told us not to sell Yosef, we would have listened to you. Because when he told him to sell, it says, Vayishma And the brothers heard, because Yehud was the leader. So they said to him, had you told us not to sell Yosef, but to return him to his father, we would have listened to you. Instead, you didn't. You yourself came up with that suggestion. And you yourself sold Yosef, because of your idea, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, uh, to Egypt. And, of course, the events happened in, in, in Shechem. Therefore, Yehuda echov. Yehuda, there was a Yurida. So, somehow, that Pagam, or that idea, which he he disturbed the Meshichos of Yehuda, and from then on, which I'll explain later, it no more would emanate from Yehuda, but from David. That's why it's not called Mashiach ben Yehuda. It's called Mashiach ben David Because of that, because he suggested selling Yosef instead of saving Yosef, he was responsible for for actually having Yosef given away into Mitzrayim so it's like one Mashiach selling the other Mashiach that's, wh- that's what it sounds like and you will see later on what the kaporah for that was where literally one Mashiach took over the other in order to machape for that which were Mamashin Tanach but in any case that was the Chet of Yehuda that he could have sold he could have uh, bring him back to his brother because they said to him that we would have listened to you he didn't and therefore, it's like one Mashiach actually selling the other. And therefore, that's indicated by And the Judah went down in Ruchnius from the statue of his brother. And it's the same idea that when they removed the Kisuinas pasim, they took off the coat of different colors. That's what it means, that they took off the coat and they gave him another Beget, which is the Beget of tumah. They sent him into the Eclipus, which is Mitzrayim. That's the idea of the Ksenis. They removed the Kedusha, or the Kisuinas pasim, which was Yosef's former identity, right? Instead, they gave him a new clothing called Mitzrayim and they said, go into Egypt, wear those clothing. And Yosef was supposed to take the clothes with him and said, who wound up getting the clothing? Fatifa's wife. Finally went to her because his chet gave that cloth to Fatifa's wife which he should have kept himself and not and not given to, to Mitzrayim. Uh, <coughs> In any case... This is so far the events which are happening uh, in Klai Israel. Uh And uh, I'll continue, of course, next week in terms of uh, the continuation of the unfolding of what's happening with the Mashiach and the Mashiach throughout history.